Well, hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal, and hey, Searchers. You are listening to the Search Podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Dustin Domingo. And I am Crystal Tugatti. And on this show, we have critical, messy, and fun conversations with each other, with friends, and with leaders in the community. And together, we'll unpack important issues, learn, and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> in today's episode, we're talking about the expansion of Filipino-American history in the public consciousness. Woo! And one notable victory for the Filipino-American community is that as of the 2022-2023 academic school year, Seattle Public Schools in the state of Washington now offers a year-long course on Filipino-American history for high schoolers to satisfy their district's U.S. <laughs> history requirement to graduate. And three middle schools are now also incorporating Philam history into their current social studies classes. And I found out about all of that through an article in the Seattle Times by Alexandra Yoon Hendricks. So shout out to Alexandra. Um, and through that, I learned about our guest today, who teaches 11th grade Philippinex American U.S. history in the Seattle public school system. Um, so let us all welcome Tiana May Andreessen. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Wow, thank you. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. Welcome. We are so honored to have you on the show. And this is just, first of all, like amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> like I just, it's, it's so, it's. It's so unbelievable, and I'm so happy that it's so believable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about it. Tiana, tell us, please, about um, the Seattle public school system and, and um, maybe also talk about the demographic makeup of your community. Yeah, so uh, I actually grew up in the Seattle public school system, and so... I'm very familiar with it from both the <laughs> student perspective and the teacher's perspective. Um, I would say uh, some of the classes taught online, which is really cool for high school. And so I'm able to teach students from across the district. Um, for Seattle Public Schools, and because Seattle is mostly a predominantly white area, uh, a lot of the North schools are also predominantly white. Um, with the central school being a little bit more, I guess, quote unquote, diverse. Um, and the south, south schools also being a little bit more diverse. Um, so I guess in terms of demographics wise, uh, just assume that every school is mostly white students. Um, but then in like the central, you'll have a lot, uh, like a higher concentration of black students. Um, and then in the south end, you'll have a higher concentration of like Asian and Latine, Latinx students. Um, and also some sprinkles of different uh, Native American students, both in the North and the South. Um, and so it's very interesting to be able to teach throughout the different areas. I grew up in the Central District, and so um, I went to a school that was, again, predominantly white, but we still had a lot more Black students, a lot more Asian students, um, which was nice to grow up around, honestly. Um, and I guess as a system, as a whole, uh, Seattle Public Schools, it's, if you can't already tell by my demographic um, description, it's pretty segregated, I would mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have something called the 
oh shoot, what's it called now? I think HTC program. It used to be like the AP program, so advanced placement or mm. highly, highly capable oh, HCC, yeah, highly capable cohort or something like that. Um, and uh, you know, just because of things like systemic racism, um, class barriers, uh, ableism, there's like gonna be certain students that are in those like quote unquote like advanced classes versus students that aren't. And there are certain schools that I guess funnel those AP students um, into them. And so you'll have higher concentrations of like those students in certain schools and everything. It's very interesting. And um, going through that as a student was definitely a ride as well. Um, also, <laughs> sorry, I'm like bragging on it. No, but, no. Uh, yeah, at least um, in my community, I'm, like I said, I, I grew up in the Central District of Seattle. And so when I was growing up, it was actually a lot there was a lot more black and Filipino folks in the area I was in. Um, but, you know, with gentrification, it's like going away and uh, slowly becoming more predominantly white and more middle, upper middle class. Um, well, I think it's really interesting just in general that we get to have you on this show because Crystal and I are in California and our perspective is very Californian. <laughs> um, and then if I think of like Filipino enclaves or enclaves of like Filipino or Asian communities um, in California, or at least in Southern California, I think of like Cerritos, Artesia, Norwalk, those cities mm -hmm. come to mind. But like if I were to, if someone were to ask me like, what, where are the other enclaves of Filipino communities outside of California? Like I really wouldn't know. Are there um, enclaves of Filipinos in the Seattle system or in the uh, Seattle public school system that um, you're aware of? Like, what is that like? You want to shout yeah. them out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but there is a set. There is like an original, we call them like the original, I want to say like seven to nine. I, I'm so sorry to my, my community members who taught me this, I forgot, but like seven to nine, um, Filipino families that settled well really were pushed into the central district um, because of redlining and so uh, shout out central district um, <laughs> and also the CB let's go <laughs> um, also shout out to honestly South Seattle like Othello um, Beacon Hill those are also places with a lot of Filipino enclaves um, there used to be a bunch of Filipino restaurants up on Beacon Hill and it was like one of those things where you go in and you take your like little tray and there's like a bunch of Filipino food in there and they're like like little you know just Doodle like doodles yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's not there anymore unfortunately oh. but that's where it used to be up there Damn. um and then we also had our version like y'all have like little manila and it's huge we have our mm -hmm. little version which is like a little we had like we have like a little kiosk right now which is nice <laughs> um in the uh oh my gosh chinatown international district mm -hmm. um again you know being pushed out and all that stuff kind of impacted the way that looks now but we do have a presence there um so i guess that's where i would chat out for that for the enclaves um but recently kind of a lot more folks have been being pushed outside of the Seattle public school system into like mm. neighboring counties or um, areas because of gentrification. But those places are where it's at. <laughs> mm. Let's talk about how you became a <laughs> Philam history teacher. Like how, 
how did you get that opportunity or how did you um, find yourself in a position to be able to get to do that? Um, well, I was lucky in that I grew up around a lot of Filipino educators, um, activists, uh, community organizers. Um, and there was uh, at the time a pretty big push for more like ethnic studies related things, Filipinx like uh, programs throughout the throughout the city, um, mostly led by community. And so just like shout out to uh, Uncle Fred and Auntie Dorothy Cordova. I was lucky enough to be able to, um, they have a joke. I was like their youngest student because I was like one years old when they had a class. My parents <laughs> took the class and like all that stuff. But I was really lucky that um, my parents were already into that, into advancing Filipino studies um, from before I was even born. And so I was able to, yeah, it was really Shout nice. out to I your parents. To, yeah, honestly. <laughs> no, honestly. Um, I would say they are a huge reason why I became a Filipino-American uh, history teacher. Um, but besides that, like they, and along with the community that raised me, um, taught me a lot about being Filipinx and Filipino, Filipina, whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they taught me, most importantly, about pride and giving back that empowerment that I received to future generations. And so that is the basis of why I'm a Filipino-American history teacher or just like an ethnic studies person in general is because I want to be able to empower youth um, throughout education through knowing their history, uh, knowing their, you know, no history, no self, all that stuff. Um, And so uh, I guess that's the basis of how I became. Logistically, um, (laughs) I was also a part of developing the curriculum and what during my undergrad, uh, because my dad was one of the people that was kind of spearheading that that movement to get this curriculum going and get it implemented in like a school setting. Um, and so I worked on it by like reading through it, like, you know, proofreading, making sure that the curriculum was as inclusive as it could be, included stories of like queer Filipinx folks or mm-hmm. uh, disabled Filipinx folks. It also included um, the perspectives of like the black community. Cause you know, we have a lot of also mixed folks in our community as well, but also mm-hmm. um, the importance of solidarity with other communities within that curriculum. And so from there, <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, we're trying, we're actually gonna try to get this in the Seattle public schools. And um, we honestly, the timing of all this was just so perfect um, in that prior to us getting the Philippinex curriculum, um, in Seattle Public Schools, there was a huge push for Black Studies and Native American Studies as well. And so we were lucky in that they already, those communities already kind of paved the way for us to be able mm-hmm. to get this curriculum in. And also that <laughs> one of the people who works for the Department of Liberatory Education at Seattle Public Schools um, was my sibling's ethnic studies teacher in high, and when she was in high school. And so huge full circle moment, like when I really say it's a community effort, it really was a community effort uh, to get this into the into the school. Um, but he, along with the board, um, predominantly Black board, they passed it. They were like, yeah, we need this. Um, we've been fighting for this, for Black studies, we've been fighting for Native American studies, and, you know, Filipino studies also deserves a space in uh, the schooling system. So we're lucky to have um, those main three. I think we also added... S- a couple language learning courses like Somali, um, 
and oh, I'm blanking, but there's a few courses now. And so we're within that little group of those courses got approved. There's like Native American literature, all that stuff. And so again, with the timing, <laughs> as that happened, I was also just graduated with my ethnic studies and education communities organizations degree. Um, and I was like, hey, is there anything? Is there, you know, putting killers out? Um, like, is there any, I need a job. Uh, and so that came out at the same time that I graduated. And so I applied. Um, and I think there was like a few other applicants as well. And, and then just, you know, went through the whole process, applied, got the job and now I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, long-winded. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, props to this family affair that's happening right now. I know. <laughs> what a cool family. Hey, oh. it was all community. Um, and my family just happened to be a part of it. That's that's, that's still dope. a very cool legacy to be part of. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm yeah. really grateful. For those who including myself, I don't clearly know what the steps are, um, st what steps are needed in order for something like this to happen. Um, what is that, what does that process look like? And what are some challenges that you faced? And how does one in the community maybe help make something like this happen? Yes. Um, <laughs> it always starts with community, like, advocacy and, like, showing basically, I guess, the world, society, whoever, um, that these courses are needed. And so it really did just start with people, like, online being like, how come there isn't, like, Filipino studies, even though we have a significant Filipino population um, in these areas or, you know, just in general, ethnic studies talk mm -hmm. um so it really started there for Seattle it was honestly a few years process it did not like the first time it got proposed it got denied and mm -hmm. so that's why I was saying the timing was really important um because we only got approved when there was a majority black uh board that was in charge of at, like liberatory education in Seattle and all that stuff right so started with you know making noise um gathering research getting people to put things together um, both like locally and also through the Filipino American National St Historical Society um, and the Filipino American Educators of Washington who both had a huge hand in it. Uh, FAW, the educators, they focus more on like getting grants, getting funding, the more logistical stuff um, along with the Seattle Public Schools people because you know the teachers know the administrators who know the superintendents, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then, <laughs> Um, on the other side, with like the fawn side, uh, again, getting all that research, putting together like surveys that were sent out to community. There's a bunch of surveys sent out to high schoolers um, and even just like anyone who's interested in the topic about what they, why they think it's important, what they want to see um, and like a message to people, like why they should support it as well. Uh, then they, you know, gathered surveys, gathered data, um, get, got all the curriculum research together, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots of vetting and lots and lots of like, is this, is this okay? Like, can we, should we include this? When should we include this? Um, and so it's a, it was, like I said, it was just really a community effort throughout 
a span of a number of years. Um, and it took people from all different like walks of life, I guess. So you have like educators coming out and this researchers, you have like even people from the military, like, okay, not like that, but like veterans who have uh-huh. stories to tell, right? Coming in, telling their stories, being like, we need this also here. Um, you have uh, even like people who are like not necessarily ethnic studies related, but um, like in fields like uh, like accounting and stuff like, like, Hey, I know about some different grants or something that you could plug into or government people who work for the government. Um, it was like just a lot of people coming in and making it known that this is something that we needed and it's something that is possible. And so we also pulled from other folks who already kind of got the ball rolling in their places. And, um, yeah, a lot of challenges too, though. Um, like I said, like it really, <laughs> it, it kind of does depend on the people in power um mm. and so the people who have the power to make these th- things happen you have to one hope and pray that they're on board with it too um or to like do the work to educate them on why this stuff is important and so both of that both of that kind of happened we were lucky again that the timing really worked out this year um for it and then uh other stuff is pushback from community um there were a lot of people who were very supportive about it and were like, yeah, we want this in our school. And, you know, there was other people who were like, no, we don't want this because it's going to like teach. And I don't know mm. if you're familiar with all like the ethnic studies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Teach people to like hate white people and all that, all that stuff. Uh. I know. I know. I had to. Shut up, guys. Uh, okay. <laughs> I really had to like. I was like, why? <laughs> why? Well, what, do, what do you say to those folks? Yes. Or what was yeah. Those, I'm sure those things have happened because in mm-hmm. California, that's a huge discussion also. Yeah. Um, and we just passed um, the, the California system. The K through 12 system is now um, in the process of launching ethnic studies as a requirement to graduate. But, mm. you know, there's also this lang- this language about like critical race theory. And, yeah. Like, all of these reasons why not to do this. Yeah. So knowing that you were able to like overcome that, how did you get past that? Like, what what did you say to people who had that narrative in their head? Yeah, that actually was also one of my interview questions, which is really interesting because. Um, but anyways, just want to like acknowledge that, like, yeah, y'all are not alone in that. And I like really am excited that California is really pushing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's all community, too. So kudos. Uh, or I don't know if that's. Yeah, kudos. Um, But to that, really, like, at the base of ethnic studies in general, there's a few different ways, right? So the first thing is, at the base of ethnic studies in general, is really just teaching folks about the humanity of each other and themselves. And so ethnic studies is just going to teach us basically about other people, right? Like, um, I had the same guy who's the high school, right? He was like, if you really think about it, like since we live in such a multicultural world, we're not we're teaching white students how to be. And he said this, so I don't know if uh, okay, what I'll just say. He's like, we're just teaching people, white students, white families, how to be less of assholes to people who are not white. You know, and we call it's that, true. It's teaching people to be culturally competent. 
That's yeah. There you go. There you go. That's what he, you know, he, me and him are a little more candid. But yeah. yeah. Cultural competency. <laughs> um, but it's true. Like uh, ethnic studies really is just teaching us cultural con- competency. And like, if you're able to see the humanity of other people, you're also able to see it in yourself. So mm-hmm. there's not really a lose. There's not, you're not really losing anything by learning about ethnic studies and learning about other communities. And especially, you know, the world where we live on where all of our communities are interacting with each other all the time. Like at that point, it's really just a, just a way to navigate life. It's just a mm-hmm. way, a better way to navigate life. Um, other things that we like to tell folks is that, especially for Filipino studies, like they're like, oh, you're excluding other like groups. Like you're only teaching them this one thing. And it's like, well, for Filipino American studies, it really is just teaching US history but from the Filipinx American perspective. And so that's the same thing with all other areas of ethnic studies It's we're still teaching the same history um, because whether you like it or not, the people of the global majority are <laughs> included in every single thing we do um, because right. we are a global majority, right? And so uh, we're still teaching history, we're still teaching social studies or language arts or whatever, right? But just through the lens of a different perspective um and so like i said before you know if you're not really willing to learn about other perspectives that's a more reflection of you than it is ethnic studies as a whole and that's just that's just how it is um truth. my little sibling just walked in Aww. shout outs what's the sibling what's the sibling oh name? Aaliyah. 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 Shout out she to just Leah. told me um, food is ready, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a little yeah, and you know, like I do it for like her, right? Really, it's a little selfish, Aww. but I do also do it for her and my other sibling. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's kind of what we say, uh, and that's just like the really basic thing. Um, I've had people also like try to debate about because we use Filipinx American um u.s history as the title and people have a really big issue with filipinx mm-hmm. um and i know mm-hmm. that's a huge a whole other can of worms mm-hmm. um but it's something that works for us and how uh the community that we live in and so that's why we use it so i also get pushback from that but i think i hope i address the other one well enough i like lost my train of thought because I was just thinking about all the different things that people have said to me. I'm like, oh, I don't even know this, where to start. This, all of this is yeah. gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, ethnic studies really is just teaching critical race theory, however you want to call it, is just teaching us about each other um, in a way that can bring us to uh, solidarity and um, justice, really. And I don't, and if you have an issue with that, that's kind of something that you have to reflect on honestly mm-hmm. <laughs> like what about justice is so scary to you and you know they can answer that themselves but, yeah yeah but we know but we know <laughs> we know we know we, know. we we'll see let y'all. y'all figure it out yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah right exactly find that the most you can do is just give people the resources um to learn and you know, hopefully try to get them to understand at least that like we're all we're all humans, I guess, and not in a corny way, but in just mm-hmm. like a 
in a very like real a, way. Yeah, like like <laughs> we're here whether you like it or yeah, not. Yeah, dude, like, like <laughs> this is this is out. our life, everyone. So yeah, like, like, let's try to make this as comfortable for everyone as possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> life is hard as it is. Come right, on, let's try to make it better for the future generation, and yeah. that's all. Yes. So speaking of uh, future generations and uh, as we close this episode, thinking about what's to come and the future generations experiencing Filipinx U.S. history or Filipinx American U.S. history, um, perhaps in Washington and beyond, like what do you feel like you would like to see in like five, ten years from now as far as like the trajectory of all of this? Ah, uh, yes, I prepared myself for this uh, question, um, just because it comes up a lot. Uh, in uh, five to ten years, honestly, I hope, and stay with me, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. ethnic studies is obsolete in the way that it is not something that is on the side, rather something that is integrated into every single piece of education that we have, um, because it is, whether we realize it or not, it's in math, it's in science, it's in social studies, it's in language arts, it's it's everything. Um, And it'll just make us all a lot more well-rounded and a lot more, I guess, understanding of each other. um, And also a lot more understanding of the system that we're in and how to kind of dismantle that and create something new if we have that integrated regularly. That is my big pipe, pipe dream. I think it's possible within five to 10 years, honestly, but that just depends on everyone. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Optimism. Yeah. Revolution. Optimism. Revolution. Yes. <laughs> right. No, for real. Uh, but in terms of the curriculum, we are trying to push it past Seattle Public Schools. So we're working with folks from other districts. Um, and each district has their own set of problems. And so that's going to be really something that we're struggling with. But also, I think, a strength of the momentum of this curriculum um, because it'll bring in a lot more folks and a lot more experiences. And at least in my class, we're very story oriented. And so stuff like this, <sighs> like mm. we we really focus on it because um, our histories, are, our personal histories, our personal stories are what builds this idea of what yes. collective Filipinx American life is. And that's equally as important as all the little facts and everything. And so yeah. I hope that more folks come into our curriculum building process and share their stories. So if y'all want to come into my class, and share your story. That'd be cool too. Oh, oh my gosh! gosh. Yes. 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 Can I ask you how the kids have been receiving this curriculum, and and also as you as teacher, like how does that feel to be able to to communicate this information to the kiddos? Yeah. Um, well, I hope they like me, and I hope they <laughs> like it. Um, no, but I think they are receiving it pretty well. I took, I took a survey in the beginning of class asking them like why they wanted to take this class and everything. And a lot of them are doing it because they want to learn more about themselves or their family members. I also have non-Filipino students who just want to learn about other cultures and other communities and how they can best support other um, other groups besides themselves. And I was like, this is, the kids are going to be all right because yeah. yeah. their hearts oh, are in it. Um, and so I, that's all I could ask for, right, is that their hearts are in it. Um and I, I hope that they're, you know, like, you know, you're, y'all are educators. Like, I hope that they're receiving, <laughs> yeah. they're liking it and like, it's meaningful to them. But um, participation has been really great. They, like I said, we have a lot of guest speakers. Um, folks just come in and tell us about their stories or 
teach students how to like, like right now they're doing a family history project. Um, and so I have people coming in teaching them about interviews and like all that stuff, right? All Filipinx folks um, and also some non-Filipinx folks as well because they're cool too. Um, I think that it is having an impact um, on them uh, in a positive way. I will, they actually, some of them actually just did an interview with someone and when I get that interview, I'll know what they said. So <laughs> I'll know more then, but um, at least for me, it's very, it's just, it's nice to see that like these students are definitely, I, was, I, I don't want to say advanced, but I guess advanced in their understanding of justice and understanding of like self um, and wanting to just learn more about other people. And so it makes me, it really warms my heart to see that because, uh, you know, growing up, like even just me and I was in high school, like not even what, eight years ago or whatever, like that wasn't really the consensus um, that we want to learn more about other folks and that we want to like do something about the conditions we live in. Um, and so it's just really nice to see that that's where the direction of where this next generation is already going. And it's just really an honor to be a part of that in general. Um, and to, again, pass on that knowledge that was given to me and hopefully make my students uh, feel empowered or at least have the tools to touch, um, to dig into their inner power and do mm. things about the world that we live in, um, in a positive way. And I really do believe that they'll, they'll, they'll do that. Um, and I hope that, yeah, this curriculum goes to more schools, more districts, more cities. I know that there's a lot of fights across the country. Shout out California. Um, also Hawaii, shout out Hawaii yeah. folks down there. Um, yeah, and I hope that we can also collaborate with all of y'all out there too who are also trying to push for this because it really is going to be a big community effort um, and a na nationwide effort uh, to get not just Filipino studies, but just ethnic studies in general. And so anywhere anyone can help out where they can is greatly appreciated and um, brings us a step closer to that world that we do want to see and seen. Oh my goodness. It's just such an honor. It is it really is such honor. an honor to have you here teaching us about your experience and hopefully inspiring the communities across the nation to just really come together and just see each other. Yeah, truly. That's what it is. And isn't that beautiful, y'all, to, like, see each other? I mean, isn't that what we, like, inherently all want? Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. You got it. Nail on the head. <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. It was really, really an honor. The honor is all mine. Thanks y'all for doing this because this is a part of the stuff that really gets people to understand, like just even just know about what's happening. Um, and I'm sure folks that listen to your your podcast uh, are loving every little bit of it and feel empowered with every episode. Um, this stuff is really important. And I'm really happy. Like now, I have a new podcast. Yeah, oh, and you. you're part of it. Yeah, I, I, oh, <laughs> it. it's truly an honor. Uh, wow, I'm inspired. Such important work. Um, thank you, thank you so much for being here, Tiana. 
Me searchers, thank you all for being here, being on this journey with us. Y'all, this was Tiana, May, Andreessen. <laughs> and everybody, don't forget, be me searcher. Follow us at me search podcast and check us out online at me search podcast.com. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Yay! Me searchers are cool. Be a me searcher. Yay! Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs>